Hey there, and thank you for listening to this episode of Bandwidth Coast to Coast. If you so choose to listen to this and the two episodes that follow, they are the start of an ongoing arc that will come in and out on the Anthropocene. The Anthropocene is the scientific label for the age in which we live. An age that if we looked at it in the fossil record, or as one of my guests puts it, as aliens from above, we can see a drastic change in the environment, as the name suggests, caused from homo sapien activity. That with all of the land and ocean, not just the 30% that we're actively farming, or the 2% where we live in cities, but all of it is either directly or indirectly influenced by Homo sapiens. I want this arc to be a perspective on different ways to view it and frame the moment in which we live and what we take for granted with it. Nature, or as I'll define it, the self-regulating life systems in a defined geography. How much do we take for granted? that that life is dependent on, and influenced by, the physical geography of its region and the climate. Hills, rocks, lakes, the way a valley shapes and forms a landscape, or a mountain range separating a low-lying region from another. So much of that physical geography influences the, quote, nature within it. So much of that physical landscape is the cause for that nature that emerges out of it. Much of that physical landscape is the cause for, and influenced by, the climate therein as well. Perhaps you've heard the word I'm about to use before, in some type of herbal or organic context before, but here it goes. Gaia. Gaia, or the concept in which it embodies, is the personification of the whole of the earth as one interconnected entity. Not separate entities, but one whole entity. Chemist James Lovelock and microbiologist Lynn Margulis developed a concept in the 1970s, proposing that all living organisms interact with their inorganic surroundings on Earth to form a synergistic and self-regulating complex system which helps maintain and perpetuate the conditions for life on the planet. So in other words, if it wasn't for those landscapes and the part they play with altitude, jet streams, pressure systems, humidity, and numerous other factors I don't know to mention are as important to life within it as water or sunlight. Could the scorpions in the Arizona desert exist if not for the mountains of California blocking the sea breeze? I don't believe they can, nor would they have been the life that emerged if not for those mountains. The features of an area can take millions of years to have formed or been left unchanged for a similar span. Grinding of massive plates shoot rock vertically up thousands of feet across their whole connection to form mountain ranges. Some, like the Andes through the Rockies, go nearly the whole length of the planet and see many of the unique ways life can emerge in an ecosystem. That's just it, isn't it? The variety of ways the whole of the Earth is decorated, with the same underlying tools in the kit, like altitude, air chemistry, temperature, etc., creates all the life within it, and when considered together, become Gaia. Before our recent epoch, this feedback of flora and fauna interplaying with the climate and geography was largely left to its own self-regulating devices. For the large degree, species interwoven together, thrived and dived, without many seismic shifts altering whatever that balance has been created. That is until something falls from outer space, a volcano erupts, or perhaps a new species enters a system and becomes overly successful. Like we have done many times, or many of the flora and fauna we've brought with us as well. Until recently, 
so far as we can tell by this event, these types of events have been rare in the time that our rock has been spinning around our sun. Such as to say is that today is an incredibly rare moment in which to live. There's not a piece of land or sea on the whole of the earth that isn't impacted by the presence or the effects of our species. The whole of the physical features, climate systems, feedback within, and species without are now under the influence of Homo sapiens. And that's a hell of a responsibility. Perhaps this is a time when the collective force that is Gaia becomes conscious of itself and, like a mirror, reflects back onto itself. For if it wasn't for these geographies that I've been pining about and the ripples of species they lent homes to, we would never have existed. How many dinosaurs had to die for us to emerge from a shrew? All of the plants that had to give life to how many animals who spread the seeds of trees which gave us fruits to learn how to tend, or wheat we learned to harvest. We came out of nature, out of the physical land as much as the ants upon it. We needed all of it, all of that came before, to be able to come out of it and build our immense networks from silicone that are streaming this into your ears at this very moment. We are the earth as much as we are upon it. So, as we have now become the dominant force on which we have emerged, whatever will we do with it? What are we doing to it? I think we can take knowledge from our collective past and find a way forward where we can intentionally cultivate land to flourish. Or maybe, unlike before, we can listen more to those in our time as well. How much of the collective surface is portioned for this or that is going to be uncertain. What is cultivated, how it is done, should be unique to that area, just as the geography, climate, species, and sapien culture therein is. Whatever it is that's going to be done should have much consideration to how the changing chemistry of the atmosphere is altering all of what I just said, because things are likely to keep getting wonky from here. Welcome to the Anthropocene.